Welcome to Souls Harbor's weekly podcast. We believe that God has called us to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, help them grow to be like Jesus, and involve them in reaching lost people. Listen now to this week's message. If you have your Bibles this morning, um, they told me first service that our, our projector was giving them issues and we were going to have to go old school. So I had everybody get their Bibles out and their Bible apps and because I didn't think it was going to work, and then it worked. Is it working this morning? Are we good, are we good to go? Yes. All right. Well, if you want to pull your Bible out, that would be great. And turn with me. We're going to look at a number of passages this, this morning, but Deuteronomy is where we're going to primarily be, Deuteronomy chapter 5. So I've been preaching this series, and I want to finish it this week. I will finish it this week. Um, God still blesses. And I don't know, I, when I started this, I really didn't start it with the expectation it was going to be a multi-week series. I thought it was going to be one, and God just kept pouring in more to say, more to teach, more to share. And I I believe, I I don't know who, don't know why, but somebody in this church, or maybe on our feed even, needed to hear that God still blesses. God still blesses. He still blesses people. He still blesses families. He still blesses communities. He still blesses nations. Somebody, and I don't know who, they needed to know that God to this day in the 21st century, in, in 2020, in the middle of COVID, in the middle of all that's going on, God still brings prosperity and abundance to his people. Somebody needed to know that this past few weeks. He still blesses. God still blesses. He still brings health. He still blesses relationships. He still brings joy and peace and purpose to lives. God still does that. It's not a thing of the past. It's not a thing of the Old Testament. It's not a thing of the Bible. It's not a thing of bygone years. God still does that, and he does it. And maybe the most important thing you can hear this morning is this statement right here. God does that because he can do nothing else. So, Pastor Barry, what do you mean he can do nothing else? I mean, God is in a covenant relationship with those that are serving him. You He's in a covenant relationship with us. How many have somebody in your life that you trust 100%? You know whenever they, do, whenever they say something, whenever they promise something, they will, you know they will follow through. How many have somebody in that, that, like that in their, their life? A number of you do. That's a pretty special thing, but is it fair to say to you all that it's probably a pretty rare thing? Most of us have somebody like that, but we all, most of us don't have a lot of people like that. Can I tell you this morning that God is 10,000 times more consistent, more faithful than that person in your life? When God makes a promise, you can absolutely guarantee, write it down without a question, without a doubt. God will see that promise through. And God promises he will bless those that are in covenant relationship with him. God blesses. He blesses because of this thing of covenant. But there's another side to this covenant. I I won't go into that this week. I have in bygone weeks a lot. But a covenant is like a marriage. It's It's a relationship, not a contract as much as a relationship. And there's two sides to every relationship. And God has his side and his promise and his commitments that he made and he keeps and he absolutely will keep. But we who are Christians also have on our side the same thing. We're in a covenant relationship with God and we have made promises and commitments to God. And it goes like this. Jesus put it this way in the New Testament. It's also this way in Deuteronomy 6. I will love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, 
and all my strength, depending on which passage you happen to use. I will love the Lord my God. If you're a Christian this morning, if you're in a covenant relationship with God, then you've made that commitment. God, I will love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. One of the things that always, as a young man, would bother me when it would happen, and it didn't happen often. I always appreciated pastors that were pretty consistent with giving me real-life examples and application. But the, the occasion where somebody would stand up and preach, and they'd give these big picture generalities, and this is the way it is. And, and I'm, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, i got to go to work on Monday, and I don't really know how what you just said even matters to my life on Monday. I don't believe, I don't believe God's word ought to be that way. I, I believe God's word, when God gives us truths, I, I believe it ought to connect to where we live, where our feet hit the ground. Does that make sense? Application. And I'm appreciative that God gives us the big overarching pictures like love me with all your heart, soul, and mind. But you know what? There's that piece of me that says, okay, God, that's awesome. I get that. I understand that. But what does that even mean? What does that look like to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind? And I'm thankful that God is so faithful and so good in his word that he actually gives us some examples, some illustrations, some, some deeper understanding of what it means to love him with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And where I started last week and where I want to go this week and finish up is, is the Ten Commandments give us the answer to that. The first four in particular, how do I love God with all my heart, soul, and mind? He starts out in the, with the first commandment in Deuteronomy 5, 7. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. How do I love God with all my heart, soul, and mind? I, I'm not going to let any other force, any other God, any other thing get in a place where it, it, it comes into opposition to my relationship to God. Now, last week I spent some time talking about the idea of what I see today a lot of times becomes an issue, and that's the whole political ideology. We actually let our political ideologies, our, whether a Republican or a Democrat, a conservative or a liberal, right or left, uh, I see so many people today in 2020, more than any other time, letting those things become their God in the sense that, um, yeah, I, uh, I'll follow that before I'll follow the Word of God. My wife this morning, she, she didn't know it, and I didn't actually plan it. She became number of examples as I preached this the first service. Um, so I'm going to share this this morning. I got out of bed this morning. She got up a, a, later than I did. She was sitting on the couch. I was in the other room and I come in. I, your wives ever get that look on their face? You just know something's irritating them. Something's just, is it just my wife that does that? And, and I'm looking at her and, and I could just tell, some, I said, what are you, she had her phone in her hand. She was reading something on her phone. I said, What's, what are you reading? She said, oh, I'm reading this article about this uh, kid in Kenosha that shot those two people. I said, oh, okay, any new information or anything? Because we, we've already talked about anything we, we don't know. And she said, no, not, not really. I said, oh, okay. So I, I went on about my business. I come back a few minutes later, and she had the look on her face again. I said, now what are you doing? What's wrong? She, and I should have I known better. She said, I'm on Facebook. Okay, well, that explains a lot. Um, I said, well, what, what's going on on Facebook? She says, and she just shook her head. She said, I'm just, she said, I, I don't understand. She says, people, some of the things they say and they do are just, they just don't make sense. And they're so contrary to, and this is my paraphrase, but they're just so contrary to the biblical direction God gives us. And I said, well, I, Facebook. 
Uh, but then she said this. She said, but it's people I wouldn't expect it from. And I made a mistake. I should have known better on a Sunday morning before I was coming to preach. I, I shouldn't have asked, but I said, and it wasn't anybody that's sitting here this morning. In fact, I don't think it was anybody at Call Souls Harbor Home. I said, who? What are they saying? Dumb. God ever calls you to be a preacher, don't do that kind of thing to yourself. Because she began to tell me. And I thought, that's just so sad. And it's not that I'm angry with them or I'm hateful towards them. It, it makes me sad because I know at a time in their, there was a time in their life and I don't really know what the condition of their heart is, so I, I don't even want to get judgmental in that way, but I just know there was a time in their life where they were sold out to, I'm going to live my life and make my decisions and make my beliefs line up with the Word of God. And they seem to have moved a long, long ways from that. And, they, and, and most of it's political, and they've allowed their political ideology to step in front of their relationship and their commitment to God. Does that make sense? You know what it looks like to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind? It looks like putting him first and let nothing become opposition to his way of living life. Even when it's hard, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's politically incorrect, even when it's not acceptable in culture. We could talk some more about that. I preached a good bit about it last week, and I'm not going to again this week, but let's just... Let's just talk about some of the modern gods that are out there. I, the political ideology certainly is one of them. Um, I could, we, we could go the same route with the whole economic ideology. I mean, we could talk about, okay, we could talk about socialism and communism and Marxism and fasc, all the isms. We could talk about all those this morning. I, I see so many people that are letting those, the, the, the emotion of those get in front of their their commitment to living a life honoring to God. And I, and I actually, I, I think God's giving me a message along that lines, but I'm not going to preach it this morning. I said that first somebody service and somebody said amen. So <laughs> I thought, all right, I won't tell you what I'm going to preach it then because you won't come. So, um, but that I, God has given me a message uh, out of an Old Testament passage that I believe is really pertinent to that. But how about this? How about pleasure and entertainment? Better become a god in our lives. Listen, I, I'm I'm not the pastor that's going to become get a stick and beat you over the head or become super judgmental on this because when I grew up, it wasn't hard um, to honor Wednesday nights for church. It wasn't hard. It was even less hard to honor Sundays for church because where I grew up and when I grew up, the time I grew up in, I, I was always involved in sports. Sports ended at, at five o'clock, so you could go to church. And Sunday was just not even an option. And we've watched steadily, moment by moment, time by time, we, we've watched, watched that erode to where we literally live in a society where all seven days are free game and used up for all kinds of pleasure and entertainment. And if you have kids involved in sports, you get this. I will say this this morning. If you are in that place, and I'm thankful that I don't have kids, I have grandkids which is a lot of fun generally. Be very aware, be very careful 
that you don't put so much time and energy and effort into those pleasures and entertainment and sports that you make them a great ball player, but a shallow Christian. You understand what I'm saying? Now listen to me. I I don't know what that means for you. I don't know what that looks like for your life, for your family. I I don't know where you have to draw that line. I, I do believe this, that I have a responsibility to preach the Word of God and to lay it out there and teach it. I also believe one of these days we will each one of us stand before God and give answer for the choices we make. Man, I hope, I hope, I hope two or three or four or six or eight of you, you have kids that grow up and play professional sports and make all kinds of money and love Jesus. Those guys are out there. Those ladies are out there, right? But the reason they're out there is because somewhere along the way there was a mom and dad that decided, I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, and mind. I'm going to have no other God before him, and I'm going to find a a, a God-guided, Holy Spirit-directed balance, and I'm going to raise my child to understand what that looks like. Pleasure and entertainment, God's not opposed to those things until they become in opposition to him. When they become opposed to him in our lives, that's when they become a problem. What am I talking about this morning, these gods? Let me just give you one other that I've ran across so many times as a pastor, and it's relationships. So pastor Barry, how is a relationship a God? I spent a lot of years as a youth pastor. Had a lot of young, young men and young women come across my path and into my ministry and was able to have some really close friendships with them. And I don't know how many times over those years I've watched a young la- often young ladies, but, but I also could actually name some young men that I saw the same thing happen to, fall deeply in love with God, deeply in love with Jesus Christ. Committed, serious, not playing the church game. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? Not, not playing the church game. And, and they loved him. They loved him for a week. They loved him for a month. They loved him for two months. They loved him for a year until there came a day where somebody of the opposite sex came into their life and paid them some attention. You understand what I'm saying? We preachers, we used to preach this and, and don't so often anymore. We used to preach, you know what, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then it's best, in fact, it's even spoken of in the New Testament, you should date a follower of Jesus Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then the healthiest thing for you spiritually and otherwise is to be engaged to somebody who is a follower of Jesus Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the way that you can have a marriage that is the strongest and the healthiest to raise children is, is to marry somebody that is a follower of Jesus Christ. There's that New Testament place where it talks about don't find yourself unequally yoked, but it's hard to preach that anymore. But can I tell you, as the guy that's 54 years old, that's pastored for over 30 years, you saying, Pastor Barry, you telling me I can't love Jesus and date somebody that's not a Christian or marry somebody? I'm, I'm not telling you that, but I, can, I will tell you, as a 54-year-old pastor of a lot of years, I've watched way too many relationships become way too painful. Six months in, 12 months in, three years in, because two people were pulling two different directions. You understand what I'm saying? 
See, we're in covenant relationship. God still blesses. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you and, and very well may be blessing you, even if you're not fully living up to your covenant side of, or your side of the covenant relationship. But I, I said it last week. I want to see God just, I, I want to see the honey poured over the top of you all. I want to see God bless you to the, the nth degree, to the greatest amount that he can. And the way that happens is when we choose to live our, our, up to our side of the covenant relationship. And that means love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, and mind. And that means I'm going to have no other God in front of me. Right? No other God in front of me. Because if we do that as we do that, when we do that, man, God just says, you know what? Um, let me just, anybody like cake? Anybody like frosting? I haven't been eating frosting here for quite some time because it's got sugar in it and sugar makes Pastor Barry fat. But my wife made a sugar-free cake the other day, and I got a hold of that bowl and a spoon. Then she took the spoon away from me. <laughs> and she ate it. So I've, I fixed her. I went and got another spoon out. I finished cleaning up that bowl. It was, that, was, that was good stuff. You know what? I love cake, but you know what I really like is I like the frosting on top. And when, when, we, when we put ourselves in a place of covenant relationship and living up to our side of the covenant, God just takes the icing. And you know, I don't want none of that quarter-inch stuff. I, if I'm going to eat cake and I'm going to eat icing i I want to i want that three-quarter inch icing put it on thick and make it real that's the blessings i want to see happen on your life right that's the god we serve god still blesses he blesses he blesses with prosperity and abundance he blesses relationship don't you want that in your marriage don't you want that with your kids don't you want that on your job don't don't you want that in your home don't don't you want that in every part of your life god still blesses God still blesses those that make the choice and say, I will have no other gods before you, no other gods in opposition to you. He also, there's a second piece to this. There's a second part to this this morning, and it's the second commandment, and it goes like this in Deuteronomy 5. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. And it, it just, it logically flows from the first commandment, have no other gods before me, but, oh yeah, by the way, here's what some of those gods might look like right? Idols. Now, we as, you know, Americans, we got ideas of what an idol, an idolatrous object looks like. Um, you know, he talks about, in, in Deuteronomy, it talks about wood and stone, and certainly there are those wooden idols that are out there. I actually went to find a picture this morning, because most of us, I'm guessing most of you don't really struggle with getting rid of the, the, the wooden idols out, that you pray to out of your house. Most people in, in the 21st century that would be at church don't. That's not 100% true. And this is what I found out when I went to find one of those pictures. Um, it took me a long time to actually find one like that one on the right that wasn't connected to, the, to an Amazon.com account where you could go and buy that idol. So there are people that are buying these, a lot of people that are buying these. Apparently they're available on Amazon. I'm not really encouraging any of you to go out there and purchase them. But let's be honest, the Buddhas and the, the idols and the, the Hindu gods, those are not things that we struggle with. And it's easy to think, you know, um, we don't really have that problem in America. But can I tell you something? We do. It just looks a little different. It just looks a little different. Before I go there, let me just make this statement. God does not hate trees. Y'all remember that. God does not hate trees. Say, Pastor Barry, what in the world does that got to do with anything? Well, God is not up in heaven looking down at all those people back in the Old Testament that are bowing down and serving these false wooden idols that they've carved out of stuff, saying, boy, you know, I just wouldn't have made those trees. 
wouldn't have this problem. I really hate trees. I should have never made those trees. Say, I, I don't. My point is this: the problem isn't the wood, right? The problem isn't carving out something out of wood. You you go to my wife's office. She's got in her office turtles. How many have been to her office? When I say turtles, I mean an ocean full of turtles. She is a collector of turtles. Some of you all gave her some of those turtles. And a number of those turtles are made out of stone, and a number of them are made out of wood. And I've never yet walked in and found my wife bowing down to the turtle god. (laughs) Thankfully. I mean, that would just be a little weird and awkward and cause issues. They kind of frown on that in the assembly of God, for their pastors especially, or their wives. I don't, think, I don't think God has an issue with her having wooden turtles. The issue isn't with the wood. The issue is the issue's not that something gets carved out of wood. It's that the carved wood gets a hold of our heart. Now, that matters this morning because what, what I want to show you next, and, and that is the idols that we find ourselves with in this world, in the 21st century. It's not Hindu and Buddhist things that are carved, but it's more like things like shoes, Vehicles, trucks, I like trucks, so we'll go with trucks. Houses, um, clothes. How many of you guys this morning, how many of you have multiple pairs of shoes? How, How many of you men, let's just talk men, how many of you men have more than six pairs of shoes? How many have more than 12? Any guys? How many have more than 20? We got a winner over here. More than 30. Now he's like, no, I'm out. Scotty, I think Scotty, I hit 20 and he kept going. So I finally quit before he was. He finally just said, I haven't counted them in a long time, but I got a lot of shoes. How many of you ladies have more than 12 pairs of shoes? Wow, this is an unusual group or a lot of, you need to repent. I need to give an altar call. How, how many of you have more than six pairs of shoes? Now, now, now listen, 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 listen. God does not hate trees. You need to get this. God does not hate trees. He does not hate shoes. He does not hate trucks. He does not hate houses. He doesn't have a problem with purses. Those things are all fine to have. And if you have 30 or 20 and they work in your life, then so be it. But here's where it becomes a problem when that thing gets a hold of my heart. Say, Pastor Greg, come on. Seriously, you're telling me that you think that there's a time when a, a, a pair of Nikes is going to get a hold of my heart? Well, well, just think this through for me, with me for a second, okay? Um, where do Nikes come from? China. The, I was going for the store, but okay, right? They come from the store. How, how do you get Nikes? How, how, do you, how do you get shoes? You get shoes with what? With money? I could be funny, but I won't. Um, There's other ways. Some people are getting shoes right now that's not so healthy. But um, most of the time, we strongly encourage you to get them with money. Where do you get money? Where where do you get money? And, and, you know, this is a sermon in and of itself that I'm not going to preach this morning. Where do you get money? Right? Work. You... You, and what do you do for work? I mean, there's a lot of things you can do, but basically you trade your time and your energy, your effort for money, which you then turn around and take that money and you use it to buy your Nikes. I think we've got a group, a lot of people that have lost track of that reality maybe to, 
today, but aside from that, so, so here's the thing. There is not one person sitting in this room this morning that has more than 24 hours in a day or seven days in a week. Every one of you have got that limit, right? So that means you're going to divide up your 24-hour days and your seven days a week, and you're going to use them for something. You're going to use them to make money to buy your Nikes or your truck or your house or your purse, or you're going to use them to worship God and live in relationship with God. And God's okay with you having those things until the day comes where you begin to use time that ought to be used to be in a relationship with Him and keep that relationship alive with Him to be able to earn more money to buy more whatever because then it becomes your idol. You follow me this morning? How do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind? You have no other gods before him, and you do not make anything into an idol. And listen, I don't know what that looks like. I, 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 listen, I don't think God's opposed to working 40 hours a week. I don't think God's opposed to working 50 hours a week. I don't know that God's opposed to working 60 hours a week. I don't think God's opposed to working hard. In fact, I would go so far as to say God encourages his people to work hard. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having. If you're, if you're the person um, that has 16 pair of $300 Nikes, then God bless you. There's nothing wrong with those things. Just make sure that you watch your heart and you watch your time and you watch your priorities and you don't let those things become the things that step into front in front of your relationship with God. You understand what I'm saying? Because God wants to bless you. And here's the irony. If you, will, if you will put God first, if you will make God first, if you will honor God first, if you will not let anything else come in front of you, if, if you will not allow any idol to, be, to take control of your heart, God will bless you. And part of that blessing is that frosting and that, that honey that I'm talking about. And God may bless you to where you have six pair of Nikes. I don't know why I'm on Nike kick this morning. I really didn't have Nike in my notes. It's just the way it went. All right, God may bless you with that. And then he may turn around and bless you even further by allowing you to be in a situation where you can take three of those pair and to give them to somebody that truly needs them. You talk about a blessing. God loves to bless his people. He loves to bless his people. Material things that I allow to steal my time with God, those are the things that become my idol. He also gives us this. He says in verse 6 of Deuteronomy 5, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He's saying to them in connection with the idols, he says, look, I'm the one that sets you free. Don't go and let yourself be bound up to, to the desire for stuff again. My wife, I love her. She may not talk to me this afternoon because I've used her this day as an illustration so much. She loves to garage sale. She loves to garage sale. And which she's... She's really good at it, and I appreciate it because she has saved me so much money over the years garage sailing. If you, if you don't like garage sailing, if you don't garage sailing, sailing um, th then you're with me. I'm, I'm on that boat with you. I don't particularly like it either, although I like it when she goes, and she saves a lot of money. But she, in, in our subdivision, we have these big, you guys have those big garage sale days, Saturdays, Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, where you can like start at 6 o'clock in the morning, and you can... You can binge garage sale for an entire weekend. She does that sometimes to the extent she can. And, and she calls me. And she says, um, do you need this tool or do you need that tool? Or do you need, because I'm, I'm usually looking to buy tools. She says, do you need this thing or do you need that thing? Um, and I say to her, 
well, here's, here's what happens, okay? Here's what consistently happens. I'm looking at the tool. She's sending me a picture. I'm looking at this thing, Joe, and I'm thinking, that is the coolest tool I've ever seen in my life. I need that. And it's only $3. Yeah, get it. But somewhere along the way, about the sixth phone call or the twelfth text, my head's ready to blow up. Because I'm beginning to think, I've looked in my garage recently, and I don't know where I'm going to put one more tool. Uh, let me, I'll tell you, it's, it's so bad. I've got it in my garage right now. I've got this little box. It's about this wide, about this deep, about this tall. It's white. It's metal. And it's got a little door on the front that opens. And this is some kind of high-dollar gadget that if you, you, can, you can use this thing, if it's calibrated right, it will give you the tension, um, the, the, the liquid surface tension, or the surface tension on any liquid that you place in a pan. Water has a certain tension. The pressure it takes to puncture through the surface of the water Oil has a certain one. All, all liquids have different surface tensions. You can measure, you can measure um, the surface tension of this, of, of this, and I've got it sitting in my garage, and do you know what I use that for? Absolutely nothing. And I, and I did this one to myself. I was out at a garage sale one day, and I saw this thing, and I opened that door, and that was the coolest-looking gizmo I've ever seen in my life, and it was only $5. And, and, I, and, I, and I said, i got to have it. I bought it. And, and I justified it by thinking, you know, you can probably sell that on eBay and make a bunch of money. And I actually looked it up, and you can make several hundred dollars, probably, if it works, um, selling it on eBay. But you know where, I've had it for like three or four years. You know where it's sat since I bought it? In the exact same spot in my garage that it has always been. And, and here's my point this morning. Listen, God does not mind us having stuff. But we have got Christians, and I'm preaching to myself. That's why I get fired up this morning, because I can take it better than you. Uh, we, have got, we have got to guard our hearts that stuff doesn't take control, because it's just way too easy for stuff to control us. And all of a sudden, we've got to buy more stuff, and more stuff, and more stuff. And pretty soon, my garage looks like a lot of you guys' garage, and there's no place to park a car or a bicycle, or a lawnmower, or anything else, because you got so much stuff in there, and then you start to think, how much would it cost me to, this is what I'm thinking, how much would it cost me to put on a third, uh, a third bay to my garage so I could get more stuff? And then I end, up, I end up on Zillow looking at houses because I need a bigger house to put more stuff in. <laughs> you guys understand what I'm saying, and and God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Have no other gods before me, and don't make any idols, because there was a time when those, you know, you were in bondage, and I set you free. Don't put yourself back in bondage to stuff. Don't, don't put yourself back in bondage to stuff. Now listen, I could preach for another 20 minutes, and that won't work, because um, I hear kids are now headed to the foyer, and it's 12 o'clock, so why don't y'all stand? Because we are going to honor this, roughly honor this hour commitment that we've made with our services while we're in COVID. Now, now listen, Gary, would you close that door for us for just a second? Um, look, I don't get happy that kids are happy when they're at church. I'd rather them be happy than not, right? Um, so that's fine. Will you check your heart this morning? That's all I'm going to ask. I could talk about keeping the Sabbath. There's some good stuff there. 
I could talk about taking God's name in vain. There's some good stuff there. But, you know, where we, where we went this morning is plenty for us to really check our heart. If you're here this morning, you're in a covenant relationship with God. Are you loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, the stuff I talked about? Or are there some stuff that's come between you and him? And this is where I, what I want to encourage you with this morning. If there is anything that I've mentioned this morning or something that I haven't that's really keeping you from being in that right relationship, will you please, will you please take a moment today and bow your head and say, God, forgive me. Today I'm going to reprioritize because I want your blessings. I don't want just enough to get by. I want the honey on top. My marriage, my family, my kids, my finances. I want you all blessed. That's why I'm, I preach this series. I want you guys blessed. To get there requires you to keep your covenant commitments to God. And as you do that, I promise you, God will keep his covenant commitments to you. He can't do anything else. Nothing else. Heavenly Father, right now I pray. I pray over this congregation. I pray over these men and women that are standing here. Holy Spirit, I ask you, God, right now to deal with hearts. Lord, I pray anybody that's standing here, any, any person, Lord, that, that, that is struggling with their relationship with you, Lord, let this be the moment in time where they make a decision. And I'd encourage you right now where you're standing even to pray this prayer to say, Jesus, forgive me. I surrender my life into your hands. I want the blessings. Lord, I pray that you work in each and every one of us. We're, we're not perfect people by any means. So, Holy Spirit, continue to deal with us, continue to stir within us, continue to work within us, continue to cause us, cause us, Lord, to see clearly the places that we just need to mature and grow and change. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor@indy.rr.com.